Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mae, and Coach Joe Krawczyk, the co-host, is back in the house. Coach Joe, what's going on today? Oh, not much, Coach. I'm I'm extremely excited. This this summer has been insane with the the guests we've had. So, I mean, and they, they just keep getting bigger. I mean, the bios. I thought we had a big one last time. And Coach, you have a you have a handful here to read. I mean, it's just uh, that's right. That's <laughs> it's a right. mountain, and and so this, today's guest is, is well. Awesome. You know, it wouldn't be a Texas summer unless we heat up the studio with bringing a living legend into our podcast. So, we want to welcome to the show, Coach Jeff. Mad Dog Madden. Mad Dog, how you doing, Coach? Doing great, Coach. How about yourselves? We're doing great. Doing Thank awesome. you so much for just making time to come in. You obviously uh, laid a huge foundation at UT and just glad to have you back on the 40 Acres. So welcome. I'm blessed to be back and glad to see you and Charles doing your thing and winning championships. <laughs> that's that's how it's supposed to be. Well, you train me right, Coach. Right. You train me right. I appreciate you. So uh, we're going to just do a little for our listeners. If you've never heard of Jeff Mad Dog Madden, you are in for a treat today. And you, you need to go and do your research if you've been in this field, even for just a moment. But I'm going to just hit some highlights here and read just some of the things he's accomplished. We're approaching right at 40 years. That's right, 40 years in this profession. So that's a lot of longevity, a lot of success, and a big influence in a lot of coaches' lives. So, uh, so just to kick it off here, Coach Madden's resume uh, more than checks all the boxes required to achieve the title of living legend in our field. Um, he was an all-city, all-state, all-star athlete back in his day when he played. Uh, he went to train over 30,000 athletes over these 40 years, four decades, hundreds of whom went on to become professional athletes and Olympians in a coaching career that has spanned, again, nearly four decades. Uh Football teams that he directly led and was responsible for training had a combined record of, I bet this is not correct, Coach, but 244 and 70? That's from uh, 89 to 214. So need to update that. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of wins there. Two national championships, one at Colorado, one at Texas, who I was uh, fortunate to be under his leadership with. We played for four national championships, and we only won two. That's, it's mm-hmm. tough to win them, man. Mm-hmm. It's tough to win them. Uh, in 2001, he was part of the inaugural class of the CSCCA Master Strength and Conditioning Coaches. And in 2008, he was inducted into the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Fame. Uh, the following year, he was named the 2004 National Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year by the Professional Football Strength and Conditioning Associate Coaches Society. Um, in 2005, he was named the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year uh, and a longtime CSCCA sponsor, Samson Equipment. So that was a huge award. I remember that. That's huge. Uh, Coach Madden has been certified expert uh, for the National Association of Speed and Explosion since 1985. He's a master certified with the International Sports Science Association since 1985. 91 and has been a member of the NSCA since 84. Since 89, Coach Madden's teams appeared in 24 consecutive bowl games and he coached teams that played in four 
national title games and NCAA Division I level, winning one at Colorado and one at Texas, as we mentioned. Um, Coach, that's a lot. I'm going to kind of pause there for a moment and just open it up to you and give you some time. We definitely want to hear from you. So, Coach, again, welcome to the show. It's truly an honor. Could you just take a moment, look over your career for a second there in a, in a glimpse, in a, in a blink of an eye, um, what has it meant to you after all these years of success and influence with countless athletes and coaches you've mentored to be inducted as a legend in the field? What does that mean to you, Coach? Well, Donnie, as well as you know, in our profession, that's pretty high cotton there. You know, and I was blessed and fortunate to, you know, have guys and got guys like yourself and girls like Sandy and, you know, some tremendous, tremendous people to learn the field of strength and conditioning. You know, and I remember a couple years back when I asked a question, uh, who have I talked to, who have I helped, you know, when we were at our banquet that, uh, you know, 85 percent of the place stood up, you know. So to me, that was one of the reasons I wanted to help uh, with uh, CSCCA, you know, and uh, they gave me the award. Now, I mean, the, the legend award. It's something that's super strong. I was able to give it to Doc Crease, who you and I both uh, came through when he was uh, back at Vanderbilt, you know, in the mm-hmm. early 80s. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, you know, you got Chuck Stiggins and some of the other guys that uh been doing this a long time. So, you know, I think the legend thing tells you you're getting a little older. <laughs> so, you know, as you say, you say <laughs> exactly. four decades, you're right. It's four decades. But... I don't feel that. I don't think that. I just keep going, you know. So I'm excited about it. Uh, we had a really nice ceremony uh, in Oklahoma City about it. It was beautiful. It was, it was. It was beautiful, and it was great to stand there and see so many faces of people that I've helped, you know, from, you know, I remember when uh, you were lifting, you know, when you were at Georgia and, uh, what, 290-something pounds, 297, mm-hmm. you know, and you're doing cleans, and I'm standing there watching you do your thing, you know, uh, and uh, now you're a grown man with four children and, you know, running a podcast and I'm sitting on the other side. So <laughs> this is funny. Real quick, funny full circle, yes. right? One of mm-hmm. the first ever clinics, this is back before clinics were even started. So dog was that one of the first ones that Doc put on in Middle Tennessee. Right. He was one of the speakers. Right. And this was before it was like nobody was doing this. You remember those, I'm sure. I do. I came in and talked about bench press, upper right. body movements and that kind of stuff. So that's that's a long, many moons ago. But and Doc was ahead of the game because he brought myself in and he brought in Meg Ritchie, who was the first female strength coach from Arizona. And he brought in Daniel LaDuke, who was a Texas coach at the given yeah. time. He brought in Brad Roll, who was at the University of Miami. You know, so we, we had a host of excellent. And then uh, uh, he brought in a Memphis coach that was a tremendous coach back then. So in reality... You know, the coaches that came to the clinic had a great, great time because they learned a lot. And we were all still down-to-earth people, you know, and young in the profession. So we, mm-hmm. we gave them everything they needed as far as information was concerned. Who who put these clinics on? Like, how did you guys find out about them? Well, Doc Kreese, uh EJ Kreese III, was, uh, he was my strength coach in college. Uh, my first strength coach was a guy by the name of Martin Poe who did a great job, and then Doc came in from the Georgia State Prison. Right, <laughs> that's old school, right? <laughs> so if you think we did old school training, we did old school training, <laughs> you know, because uh, you know we d- did everything but lift a building, you know. But uh, Doc did that, and he uh, started the clinics. You know, we had guys like, uh, you know, 
legends, true legends, when you say uh, I remember Fred, Fred Hatfield. Hatfield. That's what I was just going to say. Dr. Squat, Fred yeah. Hatfield, and that was my guy. I uh, had to take him around, mm-hmm. you know, and show him everything. And he was a phenomenal man. You know, he was one of the strongest ever. He squatted 1,014 pounds, and he was all but five, five maybe. Yeah, he was small. You know, at the most, you know. But he also opened up a lot of doors for me in coaching uh, from spending that time with him, you know, because uh, the New England Patriots gave me a call to come mm-hmm. coach with them. And that's because Fred uh, was out there with him, and he said, "You don't need me; you need Mad Dog." So right. that was a that was a great uh, thing in my uh, coaching cap at that time. That's good, Coach. If you look, uh, just look over your career, any kind of highlights or special moments that kind of like pop out. Any, it could be a story, it could be a, um, it could be anything. Actually, that kind of comes to mind when you think about what some of those those highlights were. Sure, Donnie. There's a lot of highlights in 40 years, you know, and uh, just blessed to be able to sit here and talk about some of them. You know, when I look at everything was a highlight to me. I mean, in reality, you know, watching guys train hard all summer long and improve their vertical jumps, improve their broad jumps. And the next thing you know, you got guys jumping up and making huge plays that they couldn't make the year before on on uh, tip balls or DBs uh, faster than they were the year before and their break on balls and taking back for a pick six. Those are all highlights. I mean, you know, watching guys do punt returns and they've been sitting out there with you all summer long and you've been throwing uh, dummies at their feet as they're trying to run by, you know, and then they're, you're jerking and jiving and missing uh, and then they're avoiding all the different obstacles and when they do that, then they would do it reality in the game. So the key for me was always taking things from the weight room and put it out to the field. So everything that they learned from us, you know, all those cleans you taught them, all the combo moves you taught them, they could do that on the field, you know, and we would mimic what they were supposed to do on the field and they got better, you know, and not only did that make them mentally stronger, it made them physically stronger. You know, we put them in a whole lot of tough, tough situations that a lot of uh, folks can't handle, you know, mentally because we would say we were were down by 14. You know, we're in the fourth quarter. We got seven minutes to go. We're down by 14. What are we going to do to win? Mm -hmm. You know, and we go through the different scenarios and certain amount of yardage that you made during that uh, workout gave you a score, you know, and are you going to leave six and six or are you going to leave 13, 14 and all? You know, and some days were wins and some days weren't wins. You know, some days they grabbed the pom-poms and shake the pom-poms because they lost. Other days they would celebrate. Exactly. I think, you know, you, you just, as you're talking right there, I'm starting to remember. I think the one thing I, I Coach Joe always took away from, from Mad Dog was, to his point, we would take guys in the off season, whether it was winter or summer, mm-hmm. both combined, and these are guys that were like maybe a little scrawny, not as confident. And next thing you know, they're big, they're strong, they're confident, they're leaders. And to Dog's point, when you get them in a tough situation in season, they come through for you. So he was a master at like getting, not breaking guys down so much they lost confidence, but they, they built confidence up and could help the team when their time came. So that was huge for sure. That's what you say, Donnie. You, you break them down to build them up. Yeah. You know, I mean, so when you, you take a man and you – put him in some adverse situations to see whether he'll fight or not. You know, that's what the tugs were all about. Remember we had the oh, tug yeah. things you pulled, you know, and you would tell a lot about your football team by using the tug. 
you know, because some guys would fight through it and some guys would, you know, they would tap. give it in. They and when they tap tapped, out. they're going to tap yeah. at a football game. So what you do is you know that guy's going to tap. So what you got to do is keep working on him and working on his confidence on the side. So the next time he went out there, he was fighting. Even if he lost, he fought. So the, the deal is to teach him how to be competitive and fight to the end. Coach, so Joe, you'll appreciate this. He knows my volleyball team really well, but we're not using the tug dog with the volleyball team. Mm-hmm. But but you could. We, yeah, <laughs> we're doing this like we did this cone thing. I, I've right. got it on video on my phone here, but this in the summer early on. And they're basically like fighting over who can get this cone. One of our, you know, stud outsides got the cone, and she would not let it go, dude. Right. And that made me think we're going to be in good hands this year. This this young lady is leading us. She has got no quit in her, not once. She's going to win. So yeah, you see those kind of moments. It just gives you that like aha kind of thing. So it's cool. That's why your leadership is so key. So when put you with Olympic sports. You were taking everything that we did in explosive power in Texas and everything you did in explosive power in uh, Colorado, putting them all together, mm-hmm. and you put them on the hill. I watched you. I watched all the stuff you did. And everything you did helped make those teams better. And that's why uh, Texas is you know, winning in a bunch of Olympic sports right yeah, now. We, we've got you know, I think you guys on that side, and I'm watching you know, the track and field, and I'm I'm seeing what's happening with the different the volleyball teams and uh, baseball and all the rest of them. I mean, that's why they're winning. Yeah, you know, it's True. the it's the excuse me, it's the hard, it's the hard ass work that makes the difference. No doubt, no, it definitely uh, you got to have in a day and time where like it's a lot of how do athletes feel. You know, at some point you definitely got to push them out of their comfort zone, or you just won't get better. You won't change. So right, um, and it's not cool just to be okay. Yeah. No. Not here. No way. <laughs> Say that one more time. It's not cool to be okay here. Right, right. You know, some places you can get away with, you know, just having an average team. So You've got to win here. You know that, too. You know, they give you everything you can to win, and they expect you to win every single game. Good stuff. Um, Coach, how have you handled the hard times? This this was one of my favorite questions, but how did you manage those, and how did you balance that with the good times? How did you manage when, when it was tough? Well, you know, uh, the way I look at things, you know, what, what's it, what's your definition of tough? You see what I'm saying? The fact that you lost a game, you lost a game. You know, you got to think. You remember every Sunday, if we lost a game, I always had those guys together before we started. Mm-hmm. And then first 10 minutes of talking, 15 minutes, whatever, we go over the game. We go over what we did wrong and that kind of stuff. And I was fortunate enough to have a guy by the name of Mac Brown that believed in what I was doing. You know, and he made sure that he gave me the time to do what we were needed to do. We didn't have to max five, six times a year. We got two maxes in. That was it. You know, and then we went off the numbers. We just went off improvement. If God was better, he was better. If he wasn't better, he was worse. You know, you never stay the same. So it was key that, you know, if if a guy made a mistake in that game, you don't relive that mistake over and over and over again. You know, you find a way to bridge to a positive. So if you're bridging to a positive within that first 24 to 48 hours, they got to let that go. I mean, if a DB gets beat for a touchdown, he better let it go or he's going to get beat again. You know, and, and you, you got to think about that. If you stick with it and stay with it, you got problems. I mean, and, if, and as you look at the games we won, we went to 24 bowl games in a row. You know, who's done that? Mm-mm. You know, as we yeah, look back, rare, rare, rare. you know, and, and the other thing folks didn't understand about me, I was in, I'm in charge of every sport. 
Okay, I'm the, was associate athletic director for strength and conditioning for all sports. So what I did was I went out and I hired the best guys and girls I could find to coach those sports. Mm-hmm. And every couple of weeks, that head coach from that sport would give me a call or come up to my office and stop by, and we talk about how everything was going. I talked to you guys on the regular and girls to see exactly what you needed. You know, when you told me what you needed, we got make we made sure you got it. But to be in charge of all that. It's tough, as you're seeing, you know, being in charge of all the Olympic sports, you know, and that ain't including basketball and football, you know, and some of them other ones that are out there, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's different, yeah. you know, and because those monsters need to be fed <laughs> all the time. And their coaches, of course, think that they're the best that there's ever been. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I, were, I was telling our staff, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know what? Being a director is great, but... I remember thinking when Dog was here, like, why is he making that decision? Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you become a director, you go, you know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Just the same thing as he did. Exactly. Because <laughs> you just exactly. don't, you really don't know until you sit in the seat and have to have the conversations and the difficulties. But yeah, it's a good point. Right. And all the other things that happen in between, you know, whether the trainer is disappointed with this coach or your, your, your coach is disappointing with the trainer or they, they think about different ways of discipline, a particular athlete, you know, all that stuff has to come together. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to go in the same direction to try to find a way to win. And it's a tough situation, you know, so you have to be ever changing as a strength and condition in today's culture. You know, you have to be able to listen and get along with the different coaches and get along with the different trainers that are out there, you know, to make it work. And you can't have people that just go rogue, you know, or you can't have folks just coming in your weight room training a whole world that has nothing to do with your sports. It won't work. No. And we've had all kinds of stuff. Joe, you can go next. Yeah, Coach, from looking at all the championships you've been a part of and all the great athletes you develop, can you talk about the mentality and, you know, toughness in the training you have and your philosophy, you know, and how has it helped your athletes succeed? Joe, I, I would say that the things that we've done, you know, from the past to now, it, it's so different, you know, as I talk to the younger coaches and see what they're doing and that kind of stuff. But the the, the weight still weigh the same. The, the plates still weigh 45 pounds, you know, the uh, – the Olympic uh, bars and bells weigh the same thing, you know. So if you do different things with them, you're still doing the same thing, you know. So what what happens is people try to, you know, label you and say, oh, he's old school or he's a dinosaur. And no, I'm in the hard ass work. If you work hard, you'll get success. I remember several days and, you know, and Donnie and I were talking about it before. You, I can throw three sets of 10 up on the board of any exercise and we'll beat the majority of the teams in the country. Because those kids believe what you say. You see what I'm saying? So it's all about the relationship you make with your athletes, the relationships you make with your coaches so they believe in what you're doing. And if you do that, they will fight for you and they'll tear that wall down. One good thing about me is, like I said, here I had Mac Brown, I had Bill McCartney before, and they both told the team, if you can't do what he wants you to do, you can't play for me. So what that does, Donnie, is it it puts them into a mode. Okay, well, he's the next guy in charge, so I'm going to do what he says. You know, and and what you do is you get the best players, the best athletes, and you get them on board, and then they're policing your team, and they're helping too. You know, so when somebody's doing something wrong or somebody's complaining about something, you know, the great players, the Corey Reddings, I mean, you know, the guys at Ricky Williams, those guys will chastise them right away and tell them, shut up and put your hand on the line, let's run. 
You know, oh, I didn't sign up to run track and field. It was, but hey, but you're going to run this because when we go play the great teams, you're going to be in better shape. And when we get to the fourth quarter, they're going down in four, and we're going to be in great enough shape that we're going to fight through it no matter what it was. So that's why we came back from so many games. You know, plus we had, you know, guys like Vince Young and, you know, great quarterbacks and great players, you know, but that's why we could get down and, and we didn't get nervous because we knew we were going to win games. Yeah. I'm curious, real, real quick, yeah. you know, so much today is on mental toughness. So kind of in your own words, Mad Dog, how would you define, like, if a kid is mentally tough? How would you kind of put that in your own words, to, you know? Well, first of all, Donnie, you got to be mentally tough to come to a school like this and participate in sports. Yeah, that's good. Then you got to be good. mentally tough to be able to grind through the toughness and the things that your coaches are going to take you through as well as go to school and deal with campus and the people on campus. You have to be mentally tough. So that's one phase that's of mental lot. toughness. Yeah. But that's a huge phase. Yeah. And if you learn how to master that, you can master the other things. Now, the things that we did physically to make them mentally tough are the ones I keep in my little black bag that I walk around with and travel with. You know, you, you give a certain amount of pearls out to people and you can't give them all out. But what you do is those things that they don't like, you make a mental note of that. And why didn't they like it? Because then I asked them, I said, why didn't you like it? It was tough, coach. Oh, that was tough. That's the toughest thing I ever done. I said, good. I'll keep that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and those things, you know, and then you throw a variety of them every now and then. And what 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 guys are calling them now on these uh, podcasts, they're calling those finishers. When you add a finisher to your workout, you know, to push them a little bit harder. It's more of what we talked about earlier, a metabolic thing. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to try to do some metabolic work that they're not used to doing. You know, so all of a sudden now their energy systems are kicking in and they're like, oh, my gosh. You know, I can't breathe. I'm tired, you know, but you got to make sure you're on the same page with your trainers. When I was going to do something tough, I would talk to Kenny or one of our trainers, you know, or who, whoever, what Tom or whomever at the time and say, this is what I'm doing today. Just be ready for it. You know, it's coming out and we're going to do it at this point. And they would be ready. I mean, because they would have their water to, and they would know that guys are going to say, oh, this is so tough. Oh, this is so. So when they come in the trainer, I don't want the negativity talk to say, hey, that was so tough. We can't, what does that do with football? When they get in the training room, I want our trainers to be saying, hey, it was tough, but you got better. Yeah, that's the one part, people that, you know, if, if they've never worked for you like I did, he did it, I mean, Joe, he did, a, I think, a stellar job at like, he would tell us as a staff, like, hey, if so-and-so, somebody's struggling, just wave a hand. We don't yep. need to draw, you know, a scene to it. That's right. But just, Pull them to the side. We can slow it down. This ain't about killing these kids. Nope, it's about we'll just them making out. them better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, that was like a protocol that we all kind of knew about, and and uh, it worked great. I mean, just you, you had to keep you had to pay attention to your kids, right? And to coach's point, you had to know those kids if you saw a certain look on their face, how to adjust things. So it was good. Yeah, you got to know your kids' health status. You know who has the sickle cell trait. You know, uh, whom whom, uh, has different uh, diabetic traits or whatever. You have to know your athletes. And what was good about when I was here, you know, and we we, when we hired Kenny and Tom, too, you know, we had hand signals. Like like you said, you know, when somebody was struggling or something, he would just wave. If he saw it and point at it, I'm like, okay, go ahead, take them. You know, and I point left or right or whatever. Go ahead, take them out, you know, because. We moved the drill over or something so they could, if they were struggling, because I knew those kids 
were not kids that were not in shape. They were kids that were having problems medically, Mm -hmm. you know. And one thing about it, we had our emergency action plan in place, and we knew what to do and how to do it. I had the cell phone in my pocket all the time, you know, and Kenny had his, and we had our AEDs out there, and we wanted to make sure, once they invented AEDs, (laughs) we wanted to make sure. If if not, we knew how to do CPR anyway, so. That's good. Yeah, I feel like... uh, you know, it's almost like shared suffering too, though. You know, if, if you have that tough drill at the end and they all go through it, you know, talking about the mental aspect, when they all go through it, you know, in the locker room, they're talking about it because they got through it together. And, you know, it, it gets gets a group pretty tight. You know, I've seen it in the past. Well, Joe, I tell you, you know, with your military background, I've always had military guys on my football teams, you know, and I've always put those guys to the forefront. You know, because if it was, say, it's a tough day like it is outside right now, you got 102 degrees or whatever outside and we're in the sand pit and you got a 35-pound weighted vest on, you know, and, you know, guys, oh, this is so tough, this is so tough. I would say, Joe, come out here, tell them, what would your guys be doing right now? And my guys, you know, Ahmad (laughs) and the rest of them would say, hey, coach, you know, We'd be doing the same thing. Our rucksack be close to 60 pounds or something like that. And we'd be running on the beaches. You know, we'd be crawling through the uh, uh, sand, you know. And But the only difference was that people would be shooting over our heads, you know, and they would be trying to kill us. So I think that message, I know that message got across to all our players because I did it every single year with cer- certain guys. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's, it's like shut up and play. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's time to get ready to go into a battle, but our battle is not one where somebody's shooting at you. They're just trying to knock your feet from under you and keep you from winning championships. You know, but if you really want to win and you want to be the best, that's why you came to the University of Texas or wherever I was at at a given time, you know, and you work for that. It's hard work to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a strong message for sure. I know I'm reading in the book, uh, The Culture Code, Daniel Coyle, I think is the guy's the yeah. author's name. He talks about in there about, to kind of Coach Madden's point earlier about like the tugs and things like that. We had the different hills, chains, you name it. He would So in the book, he talks about how you build strong cultures, right, is to, in the military, they would call it like being log PT'd. I don't know if I'm saying that right, Joe, but... Yeah, essentially, yeah. Basically, you got a group of guys carrying this log around doing all this stuff with it and you're either going to get stronger or weaker it's going to be either bring you together or it's going to divide you and so putting people through very hard and, and adverse situations together forms a common bond that can't be broken and I think that's that's what coaching a lot of it is all about so right but it, you know and my dad was a marine so you know as well you know, so I learned a lot growing up because I had to do a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but the bottom line to all that is th- those guys learn how to protect each other, you know. And when you build that, you know, the word nowadays is culture, culture, culture. We're changing the culture. We're doing yeah. this for the culture. I'm like, hell, we had a tremendous culture. Yes, we did. Here. I mean, we we from from that eighty-nine team on up, we had some culture. Now we got a couple guys in there that uh wanted to float through in the end, you know, because they hadn't been vetted, you know, and they were getting ready for their vetting process. But hell, we won uh nine games the last year. You know, so I last time I checked, I don't know how many more times they didn't won, nine, ten, eleven, yeah, twelve, thirteen, fourteen coach. games. Yeah, it's so, been a little drought. It's, it's been a minute. It's been a so minute. Hopefully, hopefully so it's time. back on track. Yep. It's time. Um, 
All gas, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Coach, looking back over your career again, just to the current day up to right now, your handprint can be seen in so many coaches that you've mentored, worked that's worked with you, worked for you, and they've gone on to be very successful, great careers, including myself. So thank you, Coach. Uh, what qualities would you say go into be go into being a great strength coach and professional? What traits would you look for? A lot of is honesty and loyalty. You know, I think I look at people and I judge people rather quickly, you know, about how they carry themselves, how they do certain situations, how they treat other people, mm -hmm. you know, and on recruiting visits, I can see a lot of that in kids when I spend time with them. That's one thing that was also good about from Bill McCartney and, you know, and Mac Brown is they allowed me to talk to each and every recruit and spend time with each and every recruit's family, you know, and then took my opinion, you know, and if it was a great opinion, boom, we take them. If it was a shaky opinion, they, mm, I don't know, you know, and it, it's amazing that that made such a big difference for a long time, you know, and then as the years went on, you know, of course, you know, all coaches think that they know everything, you know, and they can do whatever they want to do and shape people when you just can't shape some people because they're not, wanting to be shaped. Do you understand what I mean? Some folks just want to wear that hook them on their shirt and wear the uh, horns on their shirt, and they're happy. Yeah. That's not what you want. Yeah, they don't want they're, – they're good if you win or you don't win. That's not what you want. You want so some of those that are going to stay hungry. You know, what I look at with, you know, with you uh, guys now, it, it's going to be tough, is now there is no more uh, collegiate – athletics to where it's, it's NIL. I mean, you, you know, you got guys getting paid to play, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when somebody has a $2 million deal and you tell them, well, you can't play this week because you didn't come to workouts or you can't play this week because, you know, you, you made a, a boo-boo in your classes and, uh, you know, you're going to be ineligible. Yeah. You know, that, that changes the whole makeup of everything. So there's got to be a lot of brainstorming going on between your, you, your staff, the, the whole athletic department to try to figure out how uh, all those situations are going to be handled. And then what happens when you're the uh, $2 million uh, quarterback and you got linemen up, up front that are making $1,000 once a year? I mean, Texas doesn't have that problem, but I've talked to schools that do have that problem. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to schools that are trying to find ways to get money to help them because other teams are taking their best players. You mm. know, so that's the reality of our world right now. You know, and I'm sure it, that'll be going on for the next three to four years with that whole portal thing. Yeah, but I think what you said to me is powerful about your – you're going to even have to do your homework even more today. Yes. To to make sure the kid you're getting is they got like you said good character, they're right. honest, and they've got some kind of loyalty in there that they want to be loyal to the brand and school. Not that they can't leave. Right. But you're going to have to do more homework, you know. So. Well, we had some that left that were great players. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not against that. You know, I'm I'm against I'm I'm for whatever they can do that's best for themselves and their families. They do. You know, the university used to be the only thing that they fought for. Mm -hmm. And now with this bag being opened up, they're going to be trying to manipulate. Well, I've seen guys now, if you watch the web, that are 
getting courted by all these different schools for different yeah. prices. So their loyalty isn't to the university, it isn't to the coaches, it's just to themselves. Yeah, it's true. So you got you know, it's it's a different kid. So you gotta train that that kid a different way. You know, because what happens when you're uh you got a kid that's a ten million dollar kid and it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. No you know, because it's close to it now at a couple places. And that kid's making that kind of money and he decides that, yeah, I won't do this no more. What happens to your program? Yeah. Yeah, it can flip it around quick. Right. But it also it can help a program, you know, but I mean, you know, six million dollars for kickers and I mean that's that's that stuff's yeah. going on all across the country. Not just here. I'm, I'm when I'm speaking, I'm speaking of I go to different places. I talk to different coaches. I got folks calling all the time. Well, coach, how do you handle this? What what would you do in this situation? You know, so just understanding that it's out there and it'll be coming this way one day. You know, so you just make sure everybody's ready on your staff. Yeah, no, you can already see it happening, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just seems like the Wild West right now with all that stuff. I mean, you it's really hard to predict like where a lot of kids will want to go and stuff like that. And like you said, like the, the name isn't so much as important as the – the dollar sign. It used to be the brand around. that everybody fought for. Yeah. You know, it's different. So, I mean, that, that that's something that is uh, out there, and we know it's out there, so you just get ready for it. Yeah, I think you, you – you, I experienced this recently, to your point, dog, is like it's the first time ever in all my years of coaching I've had this thought of like, are we really developing character now, or is this more about the money and – the brand. So I've had that thought, and, and I know that that's this part that comes with it, but how do you kind of preserve and protect some of that stuff that made it so special, you know? I don't know. I think it's going to be a challenge for sure. Right. So. And my idea is that you keep doing what you do, right? you know, and then you just make different changes. I mean, we've had guys over the years that were kind of divas or, you know, prima donnas, they used to call them. But I mean, the guys that were, they have been treated so special in high school that they didn't feel as though they should have to do things in college. And we would break them down and they'd join everybody else. That's right. You know, it's a tougher breakdown now, you know, because you do that and then next thing you know, they're wanting to tra transfer and go somewhere else. You know, so you just got to let them understand when they're coming in and they're getting recruited that, hey, it's, this is tough. This is not something you just want to walk into. You know, you got to get your mind right. You know, this is where you want to be. We're here for you. We'll do everything we can to help you legally within the rules. But you're going to work. Mm -hmm. That's right. Coach, do we, I mean, is there some kind of middle ground we have to meet, though? Do we start giving them some kind of like that leeway like, like pros get now? Or I would say the middle ground you have is to make it fun. Make it fun. And you wonder, how do you make it fun? I tell you now. I learned how to make it more fun. There's days you work, there's cycles you work in, you know, to get them where they need to be. And then maybe at the end of that cycle or during that cycle, you have a 20 minute period where they let them be kids. Yeah. You know, we had, to, you know, dodge, dodge brawl, as we called it. We had, <laughs> we had, uh, yes. we had uh, what was that? We had the medicine ball, basketball. We just did that recently uh, yeah. again out in the sand. Right. Though. So I mean, you got to be careful, but yeah. we did it. Say, are, we, are we allowed to say the rules to these games? On right, right. Yeah, well, you adjust the rules, dude. The rules are what, what right. makes you, it you fit. Adjust you, know, you, 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 got the, you got the whistle, man. 
You know, so, I mean, times, everything else, you you handle that. I mean, whatever you feel, it should be done. If you if you're if you got 15 seconds to run something, you go 10. 11. Yeah, you, 12. You, you control that, you know, because it's all about how well they're performing, how well they're working now. And if they're not working, then you go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Didn't make you hammer them. Right, you know, but it's it's all about what you want as the coach. Yeah, 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 coach. And with all the new technologies today, and, and seeing where the field has changed, you know, how would you say you've adapted over the years, you know, of your career to remain so successful? I've been blessed, really blessed over the years, because I go hire good guys like Donnie. You know, I, I go hire these brainiacs coming out of right. college, you know, that are tech savvy and know how to do everything. Jesse Ackerman and those kind of guys, yeah, you know, sharp that, guys, you man. know, sitting up there with, you know, four different master degrees and that kind of stuff, you know. And, you know, that's like with Donnie. We, I sent, Donnie went to every from how to be a millionaire. <laughs> right. No, what was the guy's name? Uh, John, you're certified. John Maxwell. John Maxwell. John C. Maxwell. All yeah. his different things, uh, public speaking, you know, to, and then send other ones to track and field conferences in Australia or whatever, and send other people to Louis Simmons, you know, Lord rest his soul, when he was doing all the power work, and then they just bring him back, and then they give a clinic to uh, our staff, you know, and everybody would be able to pick up on what they learned, you know, and that was my only thing. We take care of it. We pay for whatever you had to do, but you have to bring all that information back, you know, and as they brought that information back, it helped us as a staff with staff development to totally get better all the time. One thing I can say is that one of the best things I did here, too, was I let Donnie run the uh, development program, mm -hmm. the internship yeah. program. You know, and he took it and did such a tremendous job. We had almost 10 interns every semester. Yeah, it was a big I group. mean, you know, so if you figure, you know, I was here uh, for 16 of those years. And so you got 10 every year and we didn't start it till maybe 2002, maybe. Yeah. So from 2002 to 14, you know, you're, you're looking at uh, 12 years with 10 interns per semester. That's a lot of people. You know, so you, you mess around and you get hundreds of people that came through the program that learned. And Donnie did a great job because he had each one of the uh, interns present. They had to present their information, you know, and then they, you know, he did what he had to do. And then they went out and they took their test. And I would say almost every one of them passed all their tests. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, we had a good class. I mean, you did a good job with them too, Coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, there's some still coaching today. Yeah, oh, a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch, yeah. One one was here. One of them came back. I saw him, uh, he's on the uh, football staff. Oh, um, Corey. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he he interned, yeah, with us. He was just a, yeah, he was the intern, went to be a GA. Right. Um, with La Tech, at La Tech, yeah. Yeah, good, good coach. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Joe. Well, I can I can vouch for the that that still remains when I interned here. Right. Gave my 52 week presentation to the staff, and uh, you learn a lot. You know, you have to unless you want to stand up and get embarrassed in front of the staff who put so much time into you. You know, over the course of a semester, it's it's tough. You know, tougher than you'd think. And no matter how much experience you have, there's still a panel of coaches right there that can pick you apart and and help you learn. So it's important. It's important to do. It helped prepare you though. 
It did. Yeah. It did. A ton. And congratulations to you for going through that and now being full time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's, it's you got to you got to go through that that training and equipping or just it won't happen. So um coach, just looking at your resume again, we we mentioned this just to circle back. Two legendary football coaches, coach Bill McCartney, uh, who I had the privilege uh, to work with his last year, mm-hmm. and then coach Mac Brown as you mentioned. Um what was it like working for those two coaches, successful coaches? And then how did you manage their expectations? Because the pressure is high today, so maybe some insight how you did that. Pressure is super high, but they were good people. You know, and the one thing that I learned, I had them before they were major coaches. So with uh, Bill McCartney, Bill McCartney had not beaten – uh, Oklahoma ever. He had not beaten um, uh, Nebraska, you know, and those were the teams he wanted to beat. Uh, and it's really funny because he sent a guy by the name of Bob Simmons, who was the D-line coach, out, I know, coach, out yeah. to Rice University, and I was in there training guys. And at Rice, I had, uh, oh, I had who's who. I mean, from Neil Smith and Johnny Holland and, I mean, all these first-rounders. You know, and they're like, you like, Coach, why you got first rounders at Rice? No, they were there training with me. <laughs> so I had all, I had a bunch of the Texas guys, a bunch of the A&M guys, all the Southwest Conference guys back then that lived in Houston came and trained at Rice every day. And I trained them just like they were my own, you know, because I, I didn't know any other way to do it, you know, because I was lifting with them. So I'm out here lifting, and this is the program for the day. Let's get it. You know, and they would do it. And, they would, and you know, Charles Arbuckle, I mean, guys went to UCLA, you know, and those guys now to this day, because he's coming over my house tonight, as a matter of fact, you know, those guys still call me and talk to me, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, they say, Coach, you're my first strength coach. You're, you're the guy that showed me what it's really supposed to be like. So <clears throat> that is how he learned about me. Mm-hmm. And Bob came and watched me all day long. We were in a coaching change. So I didn't know who he was. And I said, can I help you? He said, no, I'm good, man. I'm just watching. I said, okay. So I knew he was a coach, but I didn't know he coached at Colorado. And then a guy by the name of Ted Gill, who was our D-line coach at Rice, just came in. And he said, "Um, you know, I want to take you all to dinner. I said, okay. He said, said, we're looking for the best strength coach in the country, such and such and such, because we got a good team and we could win if we had a great strength coach. And I'm like, what are you talking to me for? I'm at Rice. You know, but, you know, the bottom line, he said, I watched you today, you know, and, you know, back then I was really throwing the weights, you know, super heavy. You know, I think I did, you know, 550 for five on the bench with yeah. my feet crossed. I'll get your attention. And, yeah, I mean, that got kind of my attention. But then, but not only that, then I'm jumping up on top of the bench, you know, dancing and because we're having a good time. You know, the, the guys are having a good time. Took them out, ran with them, and we had a great workout. And he said, man, if we worked half as hard as y'all work, here at Rice, you know, we could win it all. And I'm thinking, yeah, here's another guy just talking. It wasn't another guy just talking. Because he went back, he told Coach McCartney, and probably within three or four days, I got a call from Bill McCartney. And they said, I'm looking for the best strength coach in the country, and your name keeps coming up. Why did my name keep coming? I had I had Arthur uh, Art uh, Arthur Williams, who was a great defensive tackle. I had... Uh, Al, Al Williams, you know, yeah. H boys. I had all the Houston guys from Colorado were training with me. Right. He said they came back last summer and they were in the best shape as anybody on our team. You know, and I want that thing for my whole team. And I went out there and we went undefeated. 
Right. Yeah. You no know? dominant for yeah, sure. Yeah, we were very dominant, you know, and we won back to back to back three times championships and played for two national championships. So he was that's bef- that's when he became that great coach because he remember now he had just been to the Freedom Bowl, you know, and he was six and five. You know, so that's the biggest he had ever won at Colorado. Then he made the trip and he had we had horses now. You know, you just had to have somebody to guide those horses. Yeah. Funny kind of piece to this. I say it's funny, but it's cool. You go back to those days, and Coach Joe, you'd have to witness this. What I'm about to talk about. Um, so being at Col- you know, coming from the SEC, being at Colorado, Dog had already had just left. I was working for Doc Crease, mm-hmm. and got to meet Boyd Epley. I did at the mm-hmm. time through Doc, and Boyd didn't really give us a time of day. But then when I was at Texas, mm-hmm. and we went out to Col- uh, to Nebraska to see Boyd again. The respect he gave. There's some kind of, I don't know. You can speak to that. There's a, definitely a special connection there with you and Boyd. Boyd's like a Hall of Famer as well. Uh, still lifting hard and strong, and he's in his seventies now. But right. how did you guys? I mean, where did that connection come from? I mean, because well, you were the first guys to beat them, really. Then that's why. Yeah, that's why. And 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 did it with humility. You know, one thing I, I learned over the years is you know you you don't have to be braggadocious. You don't have to be cocky. And that kind of stuff. And, and Boyd came in, and he was—he uh, brought his team to us, you know, to play. And he was Boyd. I mean, he was, you know, he—he's Boyd. You know, he's—he's he's the godfather of strength and conditioning. Right. You know, and he was playing that role. But I was cool. I was like, all right, man. Yeah. And he said, well, we want to lift in your weight room before the game. I'm like, what? He said, we want to lift in your weight room before the game. I want to bring all my linemen over. So I said, they're going to lift before we play. I said, hold on, man. So you're going to bring your whole team over here to lift weights so you can go on the field and whip our ass? Oh, no. <laughs> that will not happen. And he looked. He said, everybody lets us do that. I said, well, no, it won't happen, coach. I'm sorry. I can't say you can use my weight room, you can lift my weights, and then you can whoop my butt. That does. That's not good math, you know. I'm a Vanderbilt guy, right? You know, that's not good math. Anyway, and so he took that like, you know, he kind of raised up a little bit. I was like, it don't make a difference, you know. But he went on, and we won the game, and that's the first time that Colorado had beat him. I love it. And the good thing about it is, um, he was humble, and I got a Omaha Steaks sent to me so I had a box of Omaha steaks waiting at, at home when I got there you know a couple of days that later that's a wise decision by him yes but <laughs> once again he realized who I was you know that I'm a straight laced person and and I'd never bragged about beating him and he said that was the coolest thing because we did it every year for a long time you know four years you know but when I was going to play the national championship that first year uh First person I called was Boyd Epley. And people have, well, why'd you call Boyd Epley? I said, because he was a national champion. He's been through it. He knows the routine. He knows how everything's supposed to go. He knows what happens every single day, you know. And he told me verbatim how to do it. We did it. We played right up to the end and uh, messed around and lost the game, you know, because we had sent a couple guys home for, you know, doing some things they weren't supposed to be doing, you know. And, uh, took the same formula next year and did the same exact thing and we won you know so i sent him a box of steaks <laughs> <laughs> no thank thanking him you know for doing it 
And ever since then, it's just respect, you know. And uh, football brings that. You know, it brings it or it doesn't bring it. You know, Doc and he had, you know, something back from the Clemson days and that kind of stuff. Well, the thing I love about that uh, is just the honor. Because we don't honor people today. We just kind of like move on to the next thing. So, I don't know, it's always been so powerful to me to see that. Right. And as we were talking about uh, Bill McCartney, we're moving on to Mac Brown. When I took the job with Mac Brown, after we had won back-to-back-to-back championships at uh, Colorado, uh, Mac Brown was one in ten, one in ten, two and nine, I think four and seven, and then the last year he was going to the Peach Bowl. He won seven ball games, so he was seven and four. So that was what helped turn his program. And then we went to five bowl games in a row there before he got the opportunity to come here to the University of Texas. So that put put him on the map. And pushed yeah. him up over to help hump. So and then when we got here, we set a new standard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to your point, like North Carolina, you guys were like top five, weren't you? Yeah, we were number three. I mean, y'all had like multiple like draft top picks. Drip, yeah, draft picks. Right. And and that was what was great about him is we go into the boardroom and you know, we have everybody's names up and that kind of stuff. And then the first two weeks of me training him, he said, Well, what you think? And I had to get on the board, and I said, do you want uh, what's real, or you want the company answer, or you want the real answer? And he said, Coach, you give me the real answer. And we went through every position, and I saw where guys were stacked. And mm-hmm. I'd say, well, this guy would be a great defensive end. This guy would be that. And their position coach was like, no, they, they're tight ends. They can't be great defensive ends. They can be great defensive ends because they move, mm-hmm. and they have power, and they have strength, and they can, you know, they, they can flow, you know, and – you know, the guys were like, oh, this guy's crazy, you know. But then Mac was like, let's try it. And he put them over there, and they played different positions. Next thing you know, guys, were, we had four tight ends. Now we had two tight ends and two new defensive ends. And uh, you know their names. I mean, they're first-round draft picks for Cowboys. So, you know, you got Greg Ellis and you got Ebenezer Ekebaum were the two. Oh, yeah. You know, but they didn't need to have to sit and wait behind other guys. They need to play. You know, and as they played, they made a lot of money, and they're very successful. Of course. Um, you know, going back to, you know, this is kind of a little side topic, but I remember, Coach, when you got to Texas, you brought me on board. Mm-hmm. Joe, you'll laugh at this, all these fancy big weight rooms a day. We didn't have a weight room when we first got here. Like, we worked in a DL8 up in the building, over old building. It's still actually there. It's different now, but... We had that DL8, but then we had, I, th- I was telling about somebody the story of the day, we had a weight room outside on the turf with yes. a tent over it with no air, <laughs> air conditioning. That's right. That's where we trained that first summer yeah. uh, for Coach Brown and, and Coach Madden, their inaugural year here in 1998. Right. we were building this weight room over here. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the hardest conditioning uh, performance summers I've ever been a part of as a coach. But, dude... You either stayed on the team mm-hmm. or you found a new team. Yep, where you got And that's going. how it worked. And you were ready to roll when we came out that when we came out that uh that summer. Well the bottom line to everything is, you know, uh the strength and conditioning culture is so important uh in his delivery with the football team to get the football team prepared for uh game days. You know, and that summer is essential. Uh, work time, you know, to get the ones that, remember we had, like I said before, you had guys that just wanted to wear the Longhorns on their chest and go down on 6th Street and have a good time, but they weren't willing to put the work in, you know, and some of those guys, 
decided they were going to they didn't want to work that hard and they were leaving and when they left our team just got stronger and they got better and all those guys that stayed um, and some of those guys had played before you know but you know they got moved out by yeah, other guys yep yep and uh this is it's a game but it's not a game it's some serious business yeah i think you know this this new technology and i and i like some of the stuff today the new stuff but honestly deprivation's a motivator when you t- start taking away some of this you got to have some of this taking away the the bells and whistles and the fancy stuff and at some point you got to get down to some hard training where you actually make kids uncomfortable and make them make them tougher in the way they so that when they get on the field it's, it should be somewhat easier, right? They're used to it. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're used to it. And when I remember, Donnie, and I don't know if you remember, but when we came in 98, so I, right around 2000, everybody was talking about uh, your core. You got to have your core strong. You right. got to have your core strong. And all they were worried about was doing core work. You know, and I watched it, I watched it at Carolina. You know, the, one of the guys that worked for me there, he he just in all his Olympic sports, he was got put him in charge of Olympic sports before I left. And all he wanted to work on was the core. Right. I mean, he's not a bad guy, but he wanted to work core. Come on, man. It's a whole lot more to a game than core. You know, and 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 all those people that all they talked about was core, and just like the ones that all they talk about is culture all the time. You know, other people are working on everything. You know, so mm-hmm. when you got somebody that's working on everything, you're gonna get whooped. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's gonna it's gonna cost you. I Very mean, true. you know, then some guys I read, you know, they want to try new things. You know, how do you introduce new things to your teams? You grab one or two of your walk-ons. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people that bust their humps every single day. Right. You know, and say, look, man, this is what's the latest thing that's out there. You know, and I want to try it if you're willing to try it, you know, and we'll take you separately than what we're doing with the guys. You can always come back, you know, but we want to get a couple of weeks of this and see what it's like, you know, and and if they're for it. And, I, you know, we always had walk-ons that just loved to do what the latest thing was Train, in the world. Yeah. Oh, they my God, those guys loved it, you know, and, you know, those were the guys that I would have set the tempo for our team. You know, and every now and then there'd be a pretty good exercise that we could use, mm-hmm. you know. Or, and, and that's one thing I, at every conference and clinic I go to, I try to find one thing, hopefully one thing, that I think can add to our repertoire of everything that we're doing. So, you know, and those guys were the ones that would show you. I mean, you remember when we came out with the wheels and, you know, we were Battle doing ropes app, back yep, in the day. All that stuff. Before you could buy stuff. them. We had to go buy them at a wire shop up That's here, right. Joe, up the road. <laughs> Battle That's ropes right. before you could just order them online. It was yep. crazy. And that was early 2000s. Yeah. You know, so, but once again, uh, uh, my man in Michigan State, he he did a video with the Battle Ropes because he had taken gotten some from Home Depot. And he talked about it. And I tried it at the clinic and went through it. The same thing with kettlebells. You know, you try things, you see whether they're, they fit or not, and if they fit, you move them in. If you, if they don't fit, you don't put them in. Yeah. You don't just throw your whole team into something. I mean, you you know, you know, Lord rest uh, uh, Angel Soul, but you know, Spazov, you know, was known for the Bulgarian Wave. You know, and I remember that yeah, we did the Bulgarian Wave. We broke every record in collegiate athletics for power cleans, but we couldn't run. You know, because because you did so many sets. You know what I mean? We did long what, workouts. Ten, ten sets of cleans and presses. 
you know, and I'm like, dude, we could cut this down. We cut it down, then we cut it down, then we cut it down again. Because what happens is you get away. You're not a power lifter. You're not an Olympic lifter. You're not a bodybuilder, you know, and these guys and girls out here, they get so caught on in the aesthetics and the look of what you are as opposed to whether you can play the game or not. You have to find coaches that are teaching them the game. You know, you knew all your D-line play, you could do it. You yeah. know, they cross, we had cross, you know, cross could do the linebacker play. So we had different guys that play different positions that could help our team get better at those particular positions with weighted apparatuses or with bands or cords. Or and we were doing that stuff. I always wanted to stay on the cutting edge of strength and conditioning my whole career. Mm -hmm. You know, so whatever was out there, we find it. And what, what's great about being in Texas is people will give you things to try. You know, give yeah, you different devices true. to try because they want to get the stamp of approval on there. And we stamped a lot of good things and we didn't like a lot of things. We tell them we didn't like it. It didn't work, you know, or we break it. You know, when uh, we'd had the speed machines, we, you know, some guys made some really nice speed machines, but they only last for the first 10 guys. You know, when the big horses get on there, pow, those things mm -hmm. are snapped. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, the thing I loved about what you're saying was, and, and I've taken this away from you for years, but um, you don't, like a lot of strength coaches, they try to force their athletes into their program. Right. Versus build the program around that athlete. Right. Because then it's individualized a little bit more and you find things that work, uh, that develop them in the way that you want to. And I think that's, I think that's the sweet sauce, you know, mm -hmm. to do that. So it's good stuff. I've gone to a bunch of clinics, Donnie and Joe, and I watch people get on the boards and they have the prettiest programs you ever want to see. Mm -hmm. You know, they got all these different colors and cycles and all the different things that they're doing. You know, and one or two things I always ask them when I go up at the end, do your athletes really do this? No. Some do, some don't. Your program don't work. Right. Doesn't work. It's good for the presentation. Yeah. Do they, yeah. Do they understand what these different terms are? Because it's not all about what you know. It's what they know and, they, and what they can regurgitate to you. You know, because a lot of these guys are out here trying to impress everybody else you know and my thing is i ain't in impressing nobody you know the bottom line is you know the people that you respect your family god those are the ones you want to impress beyond that those folks are come and go real fast it's mm -hmm. good yeah coach if you could go back and talk to a young just getting started in the field coach mad dog madden what advice would you give to yourself knowing what you know now? What advice do I give myself knowing what I know now? Okay. Yes, All right. What I would say to young Mad Dog Madness. What would you say to him? Come young on. Mad Dog Madness. <laughs> Listen here, son. <laughs> the bottom line, I would say, look, don't trust everybody. You know, uh, there are some people in the world that will stand with you and stand by you, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's good. Yeah, you know, good wisdom. Save your money. You know, uh, you never know uh, what tomorrow has in store for you. You know, continue to uh, make your family a number one priority. Uh, your, your, your boys and your wife, you know, love your wife, respect your wife. You know, uh, that's, those are the things that are important. 
Uh, it's great to be able to coach these kids. I mean, when you got thousands of them like I do, my phone is still over here buzzing from Father's Day stuff from yesterday. You know, and that's a that's a tremendous deal for me. I mean, because that whole day I'm sending back texts. You know, same thing when birthdays come up and uh, holidays, Christmas, and that kind of stuff. You know, I have guys and girls from, you know, almost 40 years ago. I mean, I got the, the, the couple guys from Cincinnati that still text me yeah, so regularly. You know, and or call and ask for advice and coach how you doing this and this and they're in the business world. They're doing very well. You know, what I mean, but you got to think. I mean, when you watch television and you see. Uh, you watch ESPN, and then you see uh, Jeff Saturday, you know, doing uh, pro football, and you do see Bucky Brooks doing pro football, and you see Manuel Acho doing his thing and writing books, and now right. speaking to the university, and you see Sam Acho's, he's got his show, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys, and they're just phenomenal people that still go by your basic principles, and it's so wonderful and heartfelt when you hear them say. You know, things like the pride and winter tradition of the Texas Longhorns will not be entrusted to the weak nor the timid. And they still can respond to all the different stimulus that you taught them as they were growing up, Mm. you know, and they teach that to their athletes. So keep teaching, keep learning, you know, don't be like a brick on a wall, be like a sponge and soak up as much knowledge as you can from everybody. And also listen to some of them younger guys. You know, because they got a different way to do it. You know, you don't have to carry your notebooks everywhere you go. You don't have to write with your pencil everywhere, you know, and you can just tell one of them and they'll put it on the computer. Next thing you know, you got a desk, you're walking out the door and you got your whole workout and your program's right there. So I've learned a lot. And the young Mad Dog had to learn a lot. And the older Mad Dog, because he ain't old yet, you know. That's but, right. I like it. You know, Not but yet. he's still learning, you know, and... uh it's it's always best to get as much information you can from everybody because you you'll be amazed sometimes if you just talk to somebody or listen to somebody, you'll pick up on something that you can use mm. to help your repertoire. Yeah, and I think that takes you know it takes some humility and being you know I always one of my favorite quotes, dog, is uh, you know uh, everybody's mind uh, should be like a parachute. It works if it's open, mm-hmm. right? I think you've always had an open mind on just philosophical changes. If if you've got something that you like that's worked, but if you f- find something that's better, you've always been open to. Now you would always, I think you use good wisdom to test drive it for a little mm-hmm. bit. But I think you were always open minded, and uh, I feel like that's something that's rubbed off on me. Always looking for something better, Coach. We got to right. find find an edge. Some way you got to find that edge. But that's why I'd ask I'd ask y'all because there's reasons why I hired you. I mean, so, you know, you, you come from a total different perspective. And if you notice on all my staffs, all the guys on that staff are a little bit different. You very know, eclectic. Yeah, very, very eclectic. eclectic. I have guys that want to, you know, can get out on a knee and pray with you. You know, I got guys that can uh, bench with you or squat with you, clean with you. I got guys that can um, talk to you about fishing and hunting, you know, but I, I always had girls you know, that could be there for the big sister mommy thing if, if needed, you know, because I'm big old guys. They're nothing but they're nothing but kids and grown men's bodies, you know. And when the fr- faster you learn that stuff mm-hmm. and the faster you know that they're going to get homesick, the faster you know that, you know, they miss mama, they miss girlfriend or whatever. And you got you got to have somebody that they can talk to sometime, you know, just about life. 
you know, or about their girlfriend or whatever, and, and that you care about them, not just about them lifting the daggone weight. Because that's what Mac Brown tells people all the time. That the least thing he did was teach them how to lift the weight. Mm-hmm. He taught them about life and how to be men, you know, and how this world works. So I mean, yeah, we're just we're transforming lives. We're, you know, sports is the vehicle. Weight room yep. is the the instrument we're using to change right. lives and build strong relationships. So you're yes, so and, powerful. And you're speaking on this, and we're you know we just going through the Juneteenth thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's become a uh, federal holiday now. You How know, powerful is that? That's tremendously powerful, you know, because it's tremendously powerful being here at the University of Texas when in 1960 you couldn't walk across the railroad track, you know, to come to this place. So I look at it this way. You know, it's a privilege and an honor for me every day that I could work at this place, mm-hmm. you know, and it's amazing to me you know, how far things have come. And when you look at it, you hear it from other people that aren't like you, you know, whether you belong or don't belong. But the bottom line is when you win, you belong. There it is. That's a good one. It does a lot. It does. Um, So question, I want you to talk a little bit about as we, we kind of, we're getting close to the end here. You got a you got an event coming up in Vegas. You mentioned before the show. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. But anything in store for the future? I know you've de- definitely uh, you got inducted into the Legends of the Field. You've been speaking and traveling. Uh, you know, looking at you here in the studio does my heart good. You've got good. a lot of life in you. I know you good. got a lot of wisdom. We're going to get this out to our listeners. Anything come to mind? Obviously, talk about the Vegas. I would right. love to hear more about that okay. and then anything that comes to mind for the future you're thinking about. Yeah, the, the Vegas thing is a pretty big thing. It's a uh, the President's Award for a Service, uh, and it's a Lifetime Achievement Award. award. So, you know, Congrats. I, I, thank you. Huge. Thank you. Well, you're, you're a part of that, too. You know, I mean, the bottom line is I was uh, nominated for it and won it, you know, and I get it, I think, July 22nd or something like that. So... You know, I'll be in, I'll be in Vegas for you know those four days and you know enjoying life a little bit, you know. But just the fact that it's an honor and it's a presidential honor, you know, makes a big difference. I mean, there's not too many more on a totem pole I can go get, you know. But I'm I'm gonna try to get them all. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a legacy <laughs> that you leave behind, you know, you know, for your your kids and stuff. So and you know, it's just like. Life, you know, when when we went to Cole Pittman's funeral, who was our great defensive end here at University of Texas, the um, preacher said, "How many more Sundays do you have left? Uh, yeah, How many more Sundays do you have left? You know, and you reflect on that, and then he says, "We you know all those awards on the wall, all the degrees on the wall, won't make a difference when that day comes." So it's it's, it's pretty strong, and I live by that, you know, but why not grab one every now and then if you can, you know? Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, Just another piece here. Any any projects you got coming up? Anything? Yeah, I've got some stuff that um, that are business-oriented. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, I got, got the old Vanderbilt thing, so, I mean, I'm using it now. You know, uh, I've been going around to different universities, too. So, you know, I can't talk about that. But, yeah, that's pretty you know, cool. I've, I've been helping be, yeah. different programs, 
get their programs better, you know, more of a consultant type thing. So, you know, and then I've hit the, you know, different gyms, of course, for the past couple of years, you know, but there are some, you know, some major projects that, you know, my name is in with some pretty big time name people that have a lot of money, you know, and they're using me as the sport part person. So, you know, hopefully all that will come into fruition and we can talk about it a whole lot more here. That's good stuff. Yeah, they, and they should. I mean, you've, you've got so many years of, of experience and wisdom. So. Mm-hmm. But you'd be amazed, just like yourself, how many people you know. Because mm-hmm. you don't really realize who you know and who you've met until you're out there in the real world. Yeah, Because that's the how they do world. things. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, that's awesome. And, you know, what advice would you give to younger and up-and-coming coaches to grow and learn the most right now? You know, any resources or, or anything like that you recommend? Well, what I did uh, coming out, and then we're talking about 1982, 83 season, I went out and I learned from people. I went out and spent a day or two days or whatever they would let me do. Uh, and back then it was, you know, right here was uh, Daniel LaDuke was here. Uh, there was a guy at uh, Tennessee uh, that I learned from. I went out to Arizona. I went to a lot of different places, anywhere I could drive, first of all just to spend the day watching and to talk to them, you know. And back then they weren't as, most people weren't as readily available to give you the information because they didn't want you to know. Everybody was so secretive, Mm -hmm. you know, back then. So, you know, I had a a host of of people that I got together and talked to. But I learned more at the IHOP at 2 o'clock in the morning with guys like, you know, Dr. Squat, you know, and the great lifters, Dwayne Feely and Gabe Io. I mean, the super heavy power lifter dudes, um, you know, that were the strongest in the world in conversation while they were eating. <laughs> you know, I was the driver, you know, and they would and they would just talk. And it's amazing to me, you know, you got guys like Dr. Terry Todd, you know, who ran. He was here at the University of Texas and ran uh uh, wide world of sports, you know, and I was uh, fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with him when he was here, and Donnie spends time with him and Jan Todd, you know, now, and I inducted him into the uh, Legends right, uh, Hall yeah. of Fame and, and was able to give him his award, but learned so much from him and, you know, those kind of people that are academic, you know, academians, you know, in uh, power training and strength training and, you know, just spend time with people. I mean, you know, you're doing uh, track and field, I understand, you know, but go see what they're doing in baseball. Go see what they're doing in football, you know, and try to see how all that stuff, advice. Yeah. Yeah. how that stuff works to you. I mean, uh, when I was here, you know, uh, I had I had every sport, like I said, then we hired Donnie and, all the, and the rest of the guys, and I told the Lost Dots that we will, we will eventually have a strength coach for every sport, the way this strength and conditioning yeah. thing is going. You know, and then we brought in Todd Wright, and Todd did basketball, but Todd spent a lot of time with us in football. And like you say, he said, Coach, I learned so much watching you do those guys, you know, that he took some of the, the things that we did in football to basketball. You know, now you got a much tougher basketball team. You know, so, I mean, and then, uh, of course, Augie wanted it in the rest of his soul, too. Yeah, I am getting older. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, he wanted some. So you had to go out there and do a baseball team. Uh, same thing with Jody. Jody wanted the basketball team done. I took the girls over there and ran the hills with them, mm-hmm. and, the, and then that was it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just that, you know, you have to 
open your eyes and see, but you also have to respect everybody else and what they're doing. And my biggest respect, I remember taking the North Carolina football team over to watch the um, women's lacrosse team. And she was like, why are y'all here? We got this We got this thing today. We had the field. We got that. So I'm just what we're watching. I brought my team over here so we can see what the national champions look like. We want to see how the national champs work. You know, and we all took a knee over there, and I told them to be quiet and clap when I told them to clap. And they did it, and we watched them. We watched them about 20 minutes of work, you know, because the girls was like, why are they here? You know, they, they thought we were trying to take over the field, but we weren't. <laughs> we weren't, <laughs> yeah, you know. No, but, but we watched them. And when we watched them, when the 20 minutes was up or 30, I can't remember what it was, when that time was up, we got up, we clapped them, and we thanked them, and then we went on to go do our workout because I wanted them to see what a championship team looks like, even though it's a different sport. You know, you got to see it work, you know, and then once you see it, then now you know what you got to do to become a championship team. Yeah, there's nothing better than the power of example. Yeah, right. That was smart, yeah, for sure. Such a different level of commitment, too, with those teams that, that know how to win and know what it takes to win. And you, I don't care you can, where you, you can see it. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, it's hard. Mm -hmm. You see how good Donnie talks. You know, he taught the power of the example. See, yeah. he, he, he learned that from one of those classes. I was in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Coach. You're right. But it's true. It's so true. <laughs> well, Coach, we're uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. Okay. Any what's uh, if if any of our listeners want to connect, reach out, talk to you more, what's the easiest way if you're open to being? Reach out you your email guy your social media Facebook yeah you can you can email me at that jmaddog59 at gmail or you can uh, email me at the maddogmadden.com all right we'll we'll make sure we get those yeah on um, this episode the show notes so mm -hmm. uh, that will be in the notes anybody listen definitely if you would love to to talk to coach and meet him if you've not met him reach out it'll be well worth your time and just uh, he'll be super gracious so thank you coach for sharing that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Coach, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Had a good time. Coach Madden, I tell you what, um, just some parting thoughts. Just want to say thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Uh, this is, I think, my 24th year uh, at Texas, and you brought me here and just want to show you love. Uh, thank you for just taking time to be on the podcast. Uh, again, I feel like you're part of the foundation of why we're all here doing such a great job. So we want to honor you. And I know you got a lot going on as well. So to make time to be on here, hopefully this will live on the internet forever. Hopefully well beyond our years. But uh, that's it. Joe, you got anything else for, for Coach? Or? No, yeah, Coach, thank you. I mean, your stories are awesome. It's like a, just absorbing it. I, I was like, oh, man, I still got a co-host. <laughs> I just want to sit here and listen to the stories. <laughs> you just want to hear this from Yeah, it, so. no, so it was, it was awesome. Thank you, Coach, for right, making time. Right. Really I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Joe. And then Donnie, once again, I tell you, I did this for you. Yes, sir. You know, the bottom line, I'm proud of you. I've watched what you've done. I mean, uh, I remember when you and Karen first got married. You know, then y'all had four beautiful girls. You know, so you've been a great dad. Uh, you've been a great strength coach to a whole lot of people, you know, and uh, you touch lives. Yes, sir. And Thank that's you, why coach. I'm here, you know, to help you touch those lives. Well, coach, you keep doing what you're doing, too. Uh, keep giving back. We mm -hmm. appreciate it. We need it. We need it, Coach. Yeah. We need your help. So, hey, that's it for the team behind the team here in Austin, Texas. Coach Jeff, Mad Dog Madden in the house. Coach, thank you so much. Let's have a hot summer. Y'all take care. All right. Thank you, Danny. 
Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.